This podcast is intended for mature audiences and could be triggering to some. Please use discretion while listening. Hi, listeners. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to take a closer look at one tactic abusers use called gaslighting. Gaslighting is a form of emotional abuse in which your partner leads you to mistrust your own interpretations of reality. An abuser may speak to you like they know better than you or have your best interest in mind. It may be consistent or infrequent, but the bottom line is that you feel off-center and downright crazy. This is one of the reasons it's so important to speak with people you trust who can remind you that your thoughts and feelings are valid. The term gaslighting comes from the 1938 stage play Gaslight, in which a husband attempts to drive his wife crazy by dimming the lights which were powered by gas in their home, and then he denies that the lights changed when his wife points it out. It's an extremely effective form of emotional abuse that causes a victim to question their own feelings, instincts, and sanity, which gives the abusive partner a lot of power. Once an abusive partner has broken down the victim's ability to trust their own perceptions, the victim is likely to stay in the abusive relationship. Gaslighting typically happens very gradually in a relationship. In fact, the abusive partner's actions may seem harmless at first. Over time, however, these abusive patterns continue and a victim can become confused, anxious, isolated, and depressed. Then they start relying on the abusive partner more and more to define reality which creates a very difficult situation to escape. In order to overcome this type of abuse, it's important to start to recognize the signs and eventually learn to trust yourself again. The signs of being a victim of gaslighting include You constantly second-guess yourself. You ask yourself, am I too sensitive? Multiple times a day. You often feel confused or even crazy. You're always apologizing to your partner. You can't understand why, with so many apparently good things in your life, you aren't happier. You frequently make excuses for your partner's behavior to family and friends. You find yourself withholding information from friends and family so you don't have to explain or make excuses. You know something is terribly wrong, but you can never quite express what it is, even to yourself. You start lying to avoid the put-downs and reality twists. You have trouble making simple decisions. You have the sense that you used to be a very different person, more confident, more fun-loving, more relaxed. It's important to note that gaslighting may not happen right away. It can happen very gradually in a relationship. After experiencing these abusive patterns, you can find yourself feeling confused, anxious, and could lose all sense of what is actually happening. I'm Rachel Meadowcroft, and you're listening to it doesn't end here. January 23rd was a Thursday, I'll never forget. And we were going to our usual spot to go eat. We we get there and it's a wait, so I go sit down at this table that is kind of like a waiting, you wait there until you get actually seated. So I'm sitting down. He goes to the bar to get us some drinks. When I sit down, I get on my phone and I open up my Instagram and I have a a DM. And it's a screenshot from a friend, from a guy friend that I know. 
So I'm reading this and I'm just having to really pay attention to what this is because I'm like, what is this? It is a screenshot of an email that Mr. Wannabe had sent to his girlfriend. It was from Mr. Wannabe to her and the body of the message said, missing you. I was like, what is this? He comes back to the table with two drinks, sets them down, and I just immediately show him my phone and I say, what's this? And you could just tell in his look, he was caught. I mean, it was like he was done. He was caught. He shakes his head like up and down yet, like saying yes. He's like, I can explain. I'm like, you better start explaining. The ultimate form of betrayal was about to come out. The next couple hours was just more and more betrayal. The whole way home, I'm like, you know, I'm going to, I'm demanding that I look at his phone and he's driving and he's stalling. Of course, he's like, you could just tell he was taking a sweet time with everything, walking slow, driving slow. We get to the house and we like, I'm not letting him out of my sight. I'm like, he, there's no way he's going to walk away from my sight for two seconds and delete everything or whatever. So we go upstairs to the kitchen and he gets out his phone, pulls up his text message. They're all gone. So they had already all been deleted, um, except she had texted him that very same day. And he had responded a long message. Like he had been helping her doing certain things. I'm not going to disclose what they were, but he was just helping her. You could tell he had been helping her do something because they were still talking about it. And then I go to, he pulls up his email and there's no emails there. So they had already been deleted. And then I demand to look at his Instagram. Would not let me look at the Instagram. Nope. Refused. Refused. It was like, no, he's like, I'm not letting you do that. I'm like, you're going to show me the Instagram or like this, like we're done for 30 minutes would not let me look at it. And I was just like, I'm done. Like clearly this, like clearly this is something going on. So that's when I go down and I just start packing my shit. I just start packing every single thing I own. I'm putting it into huge tubs, like storage tubs. He refused. Let me see the Instagram. He was like, you're going to see things in there. You don't want to see. He was like, you know, I, you know, we were going through such a hard time and she was helping me with, with our relationship and she was helping me and giving me advice. And he's like, she's the only reason why we're still together is because she helped me, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what the fuck ever? So then I'm just downstairs packing my stuff and he comes back and I'm like, let me see your Instagram. He was like, I deleted it. (laughs) My My God. God. So I'm just frantically packing. Like I packed every single thing I owned, all my bathroom stuff, all my clothes, they're all in tubs. They're all moved out into the hallway. And then I was like, I just need to leave. Um, And so I had a friend, you know, that lived down the street and I don't, I think I texted her. I was like, can I come over? And she she was there. She said, yes. I remember at that moment, I was like, I know I have to leave. And I remember Berkeley was scared to death because Berkeley hates whenever like there's arguing or loud, you know, talking or like fighting. So he's like hiding in a room and I go find him and I just like hug him and like 
bawl my eyes out because I and I'm just telling him sorry. It was like <laughs> I just I just knew that we were gonna have to leave, and I just was like I'm just hugging Berkeley. I'm just like I'm so like I don't know why I'm just telling him sorry, and um yeah. So then I left and I walked down the street to my friend's house. And at first, you know, I was just trying to like calm down and like play it cool, not be so frantic. And I go over there and I just knew that I needed to tell her what was going on. And so we open a bottle of wine and we, I just start to tell her everything that happened. And I'm just sitting there telling her what all happened. I did not know what to do at this point. I also texted my therapist telling her what happened. I was, it was pretty late. And so I was waiting for you to wake up (laughs) so I could talk to you about it. And I texted you, and I don't remember how long it took for you to finally call me. So I'm talking to her, talking to my therapist. And in the meantime, my the guy friend that sent me that, we're texting because we're trying to get down to the bottom of this and like what is happening. So we're like looking at dates because it just so happened that the city that Mr. Wannabe had been traveling to the last couple of months was the city she lived in. Oh, mm-hmm. and it just so happened that she lived there, but she he also did have business there, which I knew of. Um, I knew people that lived there, you know. So we were both looking through our text, and he was like, "Has he gone to that city anytime? You know, recently?" And I said, "Yeah." And he was like, "What dates?" So then I'm trying to pull up dates of like when he was there, and we finally came down to there was a weekend where he was there, the same date both of them had the same excuse as to why they did not like say goodnight to us. So his excuse to me was like, Oh, I'm sorry. I got really drunk and I fell asleep. And then the, she said the same thing to him the same exact night, mm-hmm. but he refused to admit that they ever met up. And I'm like, I, I will never to this day think that they did not meet up. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. We're not idiots. Hello. Yeah, I mean, clearly, the more I'm talking to my friends that were trying to figure all this out, the more angry I'm getting with, like, he bought her flowers, he sent her the $600 Louis Vuitton perfume holder. Like, who needs a $600 perfume holder? Ugh, I was just like, he literally didn't get me anything the last couple of months, and he's sending another woman gifts. He didn't buy me one single Christmas gift. He didn't buy you a single Christmas gift, but he bought her, that for her? He put cash in a card and gave it to me as I was laying in bed. And I was like, Merry Christmas. That was my Christmas oh gift. Oh, my God. Ew. Yeah. Oh. I'm just the only feeling I'm feeling is betrayal. And all that's coming up is I have sacrificed my entire life for you the last two and a half years. This is how I'm being repaid right now. And I was pissed. I mean, uh, clearly I'm pissed. Well, I woke up. It was pretty early. I think you probably woke up from the constant texting. Yeah. (laughs) I woke up, had some messages and I just, I looked at my phone and I just saw the message. I think the first one that I saw was that you said, I'm leaving Mr. Wannabe. And I just sat straight up in bed, like, whoop, (laughs) pop tart. (laughs) Exactly. And just called you immediately. And, you know, you told me about what happened at the bar and that you packed your stuff and that you were at Denise's house. 
and you were drinking wine. And when I called and talked to you, you know, this is almost 8 a.m. my time, midnight your time. And I'm just trying to be like, okay, well, I'm so sorry that that has happened to you. But obviously, just coming back from California and seeing everything that had just happened and us having those conversations about you have to get away from him. There was a big part of me that was like, thank God. Thank you. (laughs) Somebody. Yes. Thank you. God, universe, whoever for showing her some truth of like what he is doing and what he's like, because clearly he's hidden all of this from you for so long. You needed something to be able to break the cycle. And I thought, this is it. I hate that she has to deal with it. But if she, if it gets her away from him, then like, so be it. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to give you, you know, a little pep talk. Everything's going to be okay. Don't you worry. We're going to get your shit moved out. We're going to figure out where you're going to go. I was feeling so positive, like so, 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 so positive about it just because I was like, this is what we've been waiting for. The last thing I said to you, drink your wine and then just go to bed and call me when you wake up. So that would be my afternoon. And then I never heard from you. And then that is when I knew something was wrong. At this point, it's getting really late. Denise falls asleep. So I'm sitting there by myself and like, there's no way I'm going to be able to go to sleep right now. So I have the bright idea to walk home and I leave her house. She's passed out. She doesn't even know that I left and I go home. I'm walking home so fast. It's probably 1 a.m., 1.30. The door was locked. I didn't have any of my stuff and my keys or anything. I'm banging on the door like to let me in finally comes down, lets me in. And I'm just demanding to talk about, I'm demanding for him to own up to what he did. And I want him to admit that I brought up the whole, you know, the date of that we decided that we figured out both of you said that you were too drunk and that you both fell asleep the exact same night when you are in the same city as her. I'm not an idiot. So I just kept trying to get him to admit to it. He would not admit to this which is making me even angrier. And that is when we, I blacked out uh, from adrenaline, I think, but we got into a huge physical altercation. I mean, it went into like other rooms. Like it started in the master. I'm pushing him, shoving him. He's pushing me. I remember he pushed me into the wall. And so I remember the, our big painting, like, like kind of tilted, you know, it didn't fall, but it tilted. I fell like into my, my box of stuff was like open. So I like fell backward into all my stuff, got up, went into the other room and the guest room. I remember he was on top of me and I was like kicking, screaming, like, get off me, get off me. I'm like ripping his shirt because he's on top of me. And I'm like holding onto his shirt. It's like ripping. I just like got up and I was just like, I'm calling the cops. I called the cops and they were there within two minutes. I'm still on the phone with 911 as I see the cop lights show up at the door. I go outside and I'm just, I don't even know what I said. You know, obviously I told the the 911 person that, you know, I was scared or whatever that like we're in a physical fight and I don't know what he's going to do to me. And I go outside and 
they're telling me to, you know, okay, you stay over here, you know, outside of our house, Berkeley is with me. And I was just, I was telling them everything that happened. They were examining my body, looking for any marks or anything. And I just remember Berkeley being there, not wanting to leave my side. He's in the house saying, God knows what to the police. And, you know, they're trying to get both of our stories. I tell them exactly what happened. And I have no idea what he said to them, but they were like, okay, let's take your dog back in the house. And I'm like, okay. So I walk over there and I'm walking Berkeley. I'm like, come on, Berkeley. I open the door and I shut it. As soon as I shut the door, they put me in handcuffs and told me I was being arrested. And I was like, what? I'm being arrested? I was in shock. I was in shock. <laughs> what did they say you were being arrested for? I don't know. I, I, if they said anything, it was domestic something. Domestic violence assault. or domestic dispute yeah, or something. Domestic assault. Yeah. Yeah. And I was shocked. I was like, how am I the one getting arrested right now? And so they read me my rights, put handcuffs on me, took me to the cop car. And I was, I even remember asking, I was like, why am I being arrested? And they just kept, you know, they couldn't say anything. They're just, just kept saying like, you know, you'll like, we're going to take you to there and like get you booked in. And like, I was like, I'm not laughing as it's funny. I'm just, I was just in, sh- I was in shock, honestly. Well, you called the police for help not to come and arrest you. Right. Like, that's why I was so shocked because I, I called the police on someone attacking me and I'm getting arrested. So that is why the whole way there, I'm like, he said something to them. He convinced them of something. He did something, you know, in between the time of me calling them and going downstairs. Like, what did he do? What, like, what did he do? He, did he scratch him? Like, I don't know. Like, did he make it look like I really beat him up? I just want to know how you, little old you, can beat up this big guy. Like, Mr. Wannabe is huge yeah. compared to yeah. you. He's like, what, 220? Yeah. Over six foot? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he has a way with words. I don't know what he said. I don't know who he knew, you know. Um, I, yeah, I went to jail that night. And the worst part was that, you know, it was it was Thursday, but it was actually Friday because it was after midnight. So it was considered the weekend. I mean, the only good silver lining part about that was like, it, you know, it was, an, <laughs> I hate to say this, but it was like a nice jail. It was like in a prominent city. So it was like, there's no one in there. I'm by myself. It's quiet. And, you know, I'm getting checked in and changing and I take off, you know, everything I had on my jewelry, everything. And they told me how much the, they told me how much the bond was and then how much the bail would be. And that's when I kind of broke down. Cause I was like, that's a lot of money. That's, this is very serious, you know? And I, yeah. So how much was it? Uh, 50,000 was the bond 5,000 to get out. 50,000. Mm-hmm. <sighs> wow. Okay. So I didn't, wow. I didn't know this little rule, but you know, and most states, I don't know how many states, but some states, if not most, if you call the police for any domestic violence, anything, no matter how small one person is getting arrested because they take it very seriously because, you know, like, you know, there's been instances where the police will show up and then they'll just You'd be like, you know, sorry, it was just the overblown fight. We're fine now. And then someone could kill the 
person, you know, or, you know, something can happen and the police will be responsible. So in the state of California, one person is going to jail if you call the police. So I went to jail and, you know, it was Friday. And then when I first got in there, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to sit in here and just... I'm just going to sit here. I don't want to go to the house. Like, and I just thought that I was going to sit in jail all weekend. Oh, that lasted like two hours. I was like, I have to get out of here. I'm, I'm freaking out. And so I am calling like everyone I know. I, I, I emotionally was breaking down for sure. I just, and also I hadn't slept. It was the middle of the night. I'm tired, but I'm also just emotionally exhausted from all that. So I'm calling Granny, I'm calling my dad, I'm calling my anyone whose phone number that I knew I was calling them <laughs> to be like, unfortunately, you didn't know my uh, UK no, number by heart. Nope. So at this point, you know, my then my family's calling each other and telling him what's happening. And I even called Mr. Wannabe several times and I was like, you are responsible for this. You have to get me out. And he was like, oh my God, of course. He's like, I, he was like, you can sit there and rot in jail for all I care. You know, I'm not bailing you out. This is your fault. As I said, I hadn't heard from you. I said, you know, call me when you get up and we'll talk about this more after you've had like some sleep. You know, that was about 8 a.m. my time, about 4 or 5 p.m. my time, and London rolls around and still had not heard from you. And this was very rare. I was calling you. I was texting you. Um, you know, if I need to get a hold of you or you need to get a hold of me, even though we're in different countries, you know, I pick up, you pick up. Like, it, we don't let things, like, delay. And I'm not when I just kept sending text after text after text and you weren't responding, I knew something was wrong. I was starting to get pretty worried and luckily Kayla's friend Denise reached out to me on Instagram. Um, I looked down at my phone. I had a message from her and it said, Rachel, call me when you have time. I need to speak to you right away. Obviously knew this was about Kayla. So I called her through Instagram She answered the phone and she said, I'm so glad that you've called me. Kayla is in jail. (laughs) And I think my heart stopped. I just, I just had a, a I just knew obviously that something else had happened um, and that you had gone back to the house. That's the only thing I could possibly think of. So I couldn't talk to you. You were in jail. I talked to Denise. Denise didn't know what was going on. She was just like, I'm here. I'll be at the police station. She went the next morning, like the very next morning after she figured out that you were in jail, she went up there and she sat in the police station trying to figure out and just wait and just see what she could do. And then that way, when you did get released after your bail was paid, then she was there. And I'll just never forget my phone ringing and it was your, your picture. And I just like picked it up. I was just like, Oh my God. Like, I don't even know what to say. I cannot imagine what has ensued in the past 24 hours for you in your life from getting cheated on to getting beat up to getting arrested and now getting kicked out of your house because you can't go back and get any of your stuff. 
and you had no friends or your like your best friends and your family weren't around, I just felt I just felt terrible. No words, honestly. Yeah, I couldn't legally go back to the house for I don't remember how long, but they the police will do like checks on the house multiple times. They'll drive by and make sure nothing's happening. Like for I think a couple of days they do that. Fortunately, like this is just all perfect timing, but you know, Denise, yeah, Denise was the first person I saw when I'm like, I walk out and my eyes are like, <laughs> like opening to the bright ass sun. And I just see this tall blonde and I'm like, how did you know I was here? She's your <laughs> angel. from guardian angel. Oh no, it was her and my bail bondsman. Don't worry. They were sitting there chatting it up. So they're the first people that I see. Cause like you go out of this ramp, like it has like a ramp. So you, you're at the bottom and to get out, you walk up this ramp and it's just out the outdoors. <laughs> I felt like I had been like in a coming, dark place. Coming out of the cave for like the yes. first time. Yeah. But it really, really been like, I think six hours I was in there or six hours, yeah, like too long, too long for sure. I thought I wanted to sit there all weekend. Uh, after two hours, I was like, I cannot sit here all weekend. It was honestly the worst time of my life and I couldn't sleep. So I'm just sitting there bored couldn't do anything. Um, like my entertainment was like calling people <laughs> and just being like, will you talk to me? And it costs money when you do that. So I'm like, sorry guys, I have a bill from jail. She was going, she was leaving for a trip the next day for like five days. So fortunately I got to stay at her house. That couldn't have been more perfect timing for me. Although, you know, I could have stayed at her house either way, but she only had a two bedroom and she had a daughter. So her daughter had a one room. And so I would have had to sleep on the couch, which they wouldn't have minded, obviously, but it kind of worked out where she would, was gone, which kind of like honestly sucked because I really would have liked for her to be there for me, you know, emotionally, but she had already, you know, had this trip and she even was like, should I cancel the trip? I was like, no, don't cancel it. I'll be fine. And yeah, so she leaves and I got to, you know, I stayed at her house and it worked out for me because I just stayed in her room, you know, so it was kind of like I got to decompress and just kind of like figure everything out, like have a safe space to go. Cause I, like, other than that, I didn't know where I was going to go. Here's what Denise remembers about that night. I was home making dinner for me and my daughter and I, Kayla called, which I remember thinking right away that was weird because we text all the time, but like rarely ever would she just call me without like texting ahead. I mean, it was just kind of like, I looked at my phone and it was Kayla. I'm like, oh, she was obviously upset on the other end of the phone. And I, I was like, she's like, can I come spend the night? And I was like, absolutely. Like no questions asked. Just come. You're welcome anytime. Um, and so I knew something was up. Um, but so when she came over, you know, I was like, you can talk, you don't have to talk. It's totally up to you, but you're just know you were welcome here. She did want to talk about it. And so she started telling me how they had been at dinner and she got a text. She confronted him. And of course it's one of those things where when the person that's guilty is, has that type of personality, they start to make you think, you're like, they put it on you and like, you're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> and just, it's like, I don't know if it's gaslighting or what it, what the term is necessarily for that. 
Kayla was supposed to spend the night. We had some wine. We were just talking about it. You know, I was trying to be there for her and went to bed. And, you know, I, my daughter slept with me in my room and I was like, you can have my daughter's room. And um, so in the morning, it was about 6am and I was up getting her ready to go to school and for the day. And um, she wasn't there. And I was like, where? Okay. And so then I tried to call her, text her, nothing. And a little bit of time passed. And then um, that's when I called him and I'm like, can you, or I text him. I'm like, can you please just let me know that Kayla got home safe? She was supposed to stay here and she's not here. And that's when he, I think he picked up the phone, called me and he was like, she's in jail. And I was like, Kayla's in jail. Like what? And I knew, I mean, it would just, the whole thing felt, my stomach felt, I was so upset because I, I knew that there was no reason for her to be in there. And, um, I think I called you. I think I, I, cause I didn't know, you know, I didn't know who to get talk to. Um, and I knew that you guys, you and Kayla are so close. And so I think I messaged you on Instagram and was like, call me. And so I went over there to the um, police station and, you know, they were saying that she was in there and that I, I, I forget how, how many times I went back over there, but I know I went at least twice. And then I met the bail bonds guy over there and was there when she got out, poor thing. And um, yeah, it was, it was a lot. <laughs> oh my gosh. She said that she, you were her her angel she came out of jail and saw this beautiful blonde uh, yeah i was standing there at the gate like there's like this little like ramp that goes down they let them out right there and like she keeps running out and of course she had been in there all night but she still looks so cute like she was just like running out i'm like oh my gosh you're free like crazy i was so i'm so happy that i was able to be there i'm so happy that i called him and i'm you know because he wouldn't have let her just sit there he wasn't going to tell anybody i don't think and you know and nobody else would have known you know i mean obviously would have at some point but um that makes me so sick that he was honestly just going to let her sit there he didn't call a single person oh yeah and he and he had no like if you this is when it really turned like really like i already like i said i already had the whole time really like that i became um you know that our friendship started and everything. I had that kind of like red flag. Yeah. Like kind of feeling, but again, I, like I said, I was trying to, you know, I, I don't want to judge other people's, you know, everyone goes through and it, you know, it's like, you can't really know and it's not your place. And it was like that day is when all his true colors really just, just shined so bright <laughs> um, and not bright and like dark, you know what I mean? But, all um, his true colors was like we're shining through that's for sure you guys had some um voicemails or something when you got when she got out was that on your was that on her phone yeah no no it's it was on my phone um and actually it was even before I even got there and she came out he had already left me like one voice message just saying that he was just very firm on that he didn't want you know, to see her and that she, I mean, it was just very, very, um, just so unloving. Like there was no, he just, I couldn't, I was so shocked by how little care he had, how for a human being who he supposedly loves. I, yeah, I was leaving the next day and I felt really bad to leave, but I mean, I, I told her, I'm like, stay here. You're welcome to. And, um, and I knew that she was like, it was like a good, you know, I felt like, that she was going to stay away from him. And it, that's how it really seemed. Um, and I, before I left, I, she wanted to get some of her things. So 
had to go over there and actually had to, had to see him because he wouldn't let her go in there. So I went and grabbed a bunch of her, bunch of her belongings and, and I, I do, I believe that when someone's guilty and when, you know, who doesn't have <laughs> integrity, um, they put it off really strongly on the other person. And that was clear to me that that's what was happening. You know, I was right down the street from from Mr. Wannabe and where I lived, and um, so I we at the time we had like a house assistant, and she you know kind of ran our errands and did our laundry, did stuff at the house, stuff like that, and so we were pretty close, and so her and I were just messaging back and forth because you know she was a female and she knew how Mr. Wannabe was a little bit. And so we were just messaging back and forth and she was trying to help me coordinate getting like some stuff to me and my dog. And so that just, you know, that was all the next day. And, um, I remember like I, I wanted Berkeley, like obviously I wanted my dog with me and I had asked her to, this was on Friday. I had asked her to, bring him to me as soon as she could. And she was like, Oh, I'm not there. Um, I can't tomorrow. And so then it became Saturday. And for whatever reason, I had told her that I wanted her to bring Berkeley and Mr. Wannabe said that he was going to bring him over there. And I was like, please don't let him do that. Like, I don't want to see him. Can you please make sure that doesn't happen? I'm sitting in Denise's living room and um, I just hear like a car door shut. So I go to the window. He's outside, gets out of the car with my dog and I'm just like freak out. Like I was just like, like my chest started to just get so tight. I was just having so much anxiety. I thought he was going to like come in and try to talk to me or something. And but he came to the door, he knocked on the door and then just like left Berkeley at the door. So like, had I not been there, he would have just left Berkeley on the front porch. Like he didn't even like wait for anyone to open the door. So, so I got, um, my dog, thank God. I just remembered like, I'm back and forth, you know, between talking to my a little assistant and I'm going to read some text messages that I have from her, um, or that I have with her. And I remember she sent me this long story about the same thing happened to her. Um, not as specific as mine, but she was just giving me an example of her uh, past relationship and, and all that. So this is what I said to her. I said, thank you for this. Yes. I a hundred percent agree. Everything bad that I thought was the worst thing ever has always led to something better. I said, I love Mr. Wannabe and I care for him. He has benefited my life in some ways, but also controlled me in some as well. I feel isolated. I feel, I'm sorry. I feel isolated. I don't have a car, a job. My credit has gotten worse dealing with helping with the business. And I have no identity except for him and the business. I said, so this is where I'm starting from. I have so many people I can connect with and places I can be. I'm just trying to figure that out at the moment. This isn't the worst thing I've had to deal with. What were you thinking like in that point? Like, were you thinking if you had to get out or what were you thinking? <sighs> yeah. I mean, I, I knew I had to get out. I, I, I knew it. I mean, I was like, this is the rock bottom. This is, 
the worst thing that could happen. Like, how am I going to go back from this? And the next five days was just filled with like, what am I going to do? (laughs) And just strategizing. So during these these five days, what contact did you have with him? Was he texting and he was emailing, you know, what was he saying to you? The Friday that I had gotten out, I do remember he was sending Denise lots of nasty voice messages about me and just making so many threads. So that was January 24th. I have an email from him January 25th. It's to all my emails and this is just insane. Okay. So this is what he said. He said, Kayla, There are a couple of points that need to be covered prior to this coming week. Your lunatic father sent me your don't contact me further nonsense message. So this is becoming harder to coordinate and I'm becoming less inclined to be understanding. In order for this to happen, I'll need the following. (laughs) Sorry, I'm laughing. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) You'll need to provide the usernames and passwords to all the utilities or other accounts related to the house. You'll need to send me a detailed outline of your plans and requests for access to the property, dates and times, and as well as when you will be leaving the state of California. <laughs> leaving the state of California. Yep. yep. Apparently, He's kick you out of was, California. Yes, he was kicking me out of California. You'll need to write a statement of sincere apology in great and complete detail that condemns your actions. You'll need to sign a full non-disparaging agreement. So he's already trying to cover up all of this, you know, going on. So then he goes into this full description to try to cover his tracks because I had already told him like, you're caught. I I know what you did. And I had these dates and I had people and I had proof. So then he sends, or he also includes this full, like (laughs) just ridiculous outline of all of his actions he did that weekend. So it says, for your full clarity in bold letters, underlined, whatever. Additionally, you might be interested to know my schedule to coordinate with your mistaken theories. I thought about your statement of alleged proof of me meeting up with this girl in December. You said you have proof from the two people I was with, but I was alone. List out his entire like defense. Like this is like if he was in court is like his defense of him trying to cover his tracks because Obviously, when someone's lying, they go out of their way to defend themselves. So the fact that he put all of this in here, I was just like, this even proves even more that you're lying because you're trying to cover all this up. So anyway, it's like a 10 paragraph, full detail. He has like screenshots of his slides circled with the date and times. At the very end of all this, after he explains his entire weekend, where he went to dinner, who he was with, blah, blah, blah. I was like, that's all bullshit. But anyway, he said, so you have the wrong day, the wrong date, the wrong person. And certainly they weren't even with me. So the wrong city, you got to ask yourself, how clear were you on asking this question? Oh my God. (laughs) And he said, you just totally ruined your life over a mistaken identity. My shitty business partner being more shitty and being manipulated by a raging lunatic idiot. If you would have just checked your facts the next day after sleeping it off, you'd still have your life in the house you love with someone who loved you. And so he thought that his business partners like told me all this information when it wasn't, it just had the whole story wrong. So anyway, I mean, he just went into way too much effort to make sure that 
he, he explained himself and I was like, that's not even the correct weekend I'm talking about, but whatever. Oh my gosh. That's insane. He was just trying to like cover his tracks like right oh, away. Yeah, like, right away. I had from the source, like I had the source of the information and I just ignored him. By the way, if you want to really get at a freaking narcissistic sociopath, just don't talk to them. Just ignore them. It drives them crazy. January 26th, the following day after that email of saying I need to leave the state of California and I need to write a sincere apology and I need to sign a non-disparaging agreement, he sends me this. Kayla, I've had a change of heart. I will not be pressing any charges against you. I just want you to know this. I went to a new church today. It was phenomenal. You would have loved it. The kind of place we've always wanted. I cried the whole time. I can't bring harm to the person who was my person. I just cannot. Anyway, the teaching was very poignant and hit my heart very heavy. I'm very, very sad. I don't wish to cause you any harm or complications. I love you very much, and I always, always, always will. You are the love of my life. I will miss you and Burke forever. Within less than 24 hours, he goes from full threats, everything, to that. And I just remember being like... I knew that was going to happen. Like I knew that was going to happen. Was he religious? No, not really. But we had gone to church. You know, we would just go on Sunday just to, you know, check our little box of, all right, we went to church and we hadn't gone for like a really long time. And so I don't really know what, I don't honestly don't know what the whole like church thing was about or like why he said like the kind of place we've always wanted because I mean, we didn't really talk about that, but so anyway, so like I said, he tries to make him look like he's the victim. He's like, I'm very, very sad. Like, you know, I'm hit my heart very heavy. I cried the whole time. Like not about how you feel, not about how you had to go to jail and now you're separated from all your things and misplaced with nowhere to go. Like mm -hmm. none of that, like all about him and how he's so sad. Oh right. my God, this is getting me, this is getting me riled all over again. <laughs> it's been a while since hell. we recorded. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but so before this email, my family, my dad was like, just, you know, respond to him. Just do this. Just do that. Just give in to like what he wants. And I was like, no, I was like, I know exactly what he's doing. This is, this is why it's like all like a game, like a strategy. Like, so I still did not respond like, this has been going on three to four days, you know, and January 28th, I get another email from him. Just want to say, I miss you. This is horrible. I hope you're okay. Please give Burke big dog pats from his dad and tell him I miss him. I love you forever. Broken heart emoji. Oh my God. From his dad. Yeah, he, you're not his dad. Like he doesn't really have a dad. I'm a single mom. <laughs> I really wish that Berkeley wasn't so sweet and he would have like attacked him. Like, you know, in the midst of all of that stuff, I wish he would have been like more of a guard dog. I wish I would have had like a signal to like say a word and him, but him. So Berkeley and then one of his dogs were literally just like shaking in the other room. Just like if we found them, I found him in a corner. Like I said, you know, I was crying, just holding Berkeley and just being like, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm so like, I was just, like, he's my child. So I was like hugging him crying. Like, it's very emotional. Was he ever like abusive towards animals? Like, did he ever hit the dogs or anything? Yeah. 
yeah, he was like, I've full on witnessed him. And even my old roommate, she brought this up to me recently after she, she's already listened to the podcast. Um, she was like, I just remember him coming to our house. And like for one weekend I had kept two of his dogs and he came, he came to San Diego to like get them, but like stay with me for a night or something. And like, one yeah i mean well one of his dogs full-on attacked berkeley which pissed me off so i was like your dogs are literally staying on the balcony um so yeah just letting you know your dog attacked my dog he was bleeding and they're gonna be on the balcony so then he shows up you know i don't know the next day and then he's like feeding them and i guess like he didn't like the way that they were acting so he like full-on was kicking one of the dogs oh my god Um, the one that attacked yeah the one that attacked berkeley i've seen him like throw two of the dogs before like throw them onto the couch um like choke them out yeah i've seen oh my god yeah he's never done that to berkeley like i really don't think he ever has but i've definitely seen him do it to some of his dogs so yeah oh my god that is awful like what a piece of shit yeah as if i could hate him more let's just add animal abuse on top of all of it Mm -hmm. right so honestly, really the next, like this, during this time, I was just, it was my, my assistant was like in the middle of, of us just, she's trying to tell me what he's saying. He's saying things to her. So now it went from him being, you know, angry and saying me- mean things about me to her to then obviously now he's trying to do a whole sob story and texting her things like, okay, so he thought that I still had to go to court on January 28th. And so he had texted my assistant and she sent me this it says i know today will be really emotionally upsetting if you ever have to go to court for something it's so upsetting especially like this she's not the kind of person that should be there it feels really draining emotionally please let me know when you see her and that she is okay or if she needs anything they said thank you i'm so depressed (laughs) like he's so sad it's not you right he's so sad that he lied and cheated and and betrayed me but he's depressed okay I'm still staying at Denise's house but I knew that she obviously was coming back like she didn't move away she was coming back I obviously felt very invasive like I was invading her space their space I mean I know it wouldn't have bothered her that much to let me stay there if I really needed to, but just me being like, I just don't like being in people's way. And so I was like, I have to figure something out in the next couple of days before Denise gets here. Um, I had some other girlfriends in where we lived. And so I met up with them one night and we hung out and I told them what happened. And they kind of referred me to this to this lawyer. Um, so I actually made an appointment with him and I met up with him and I kind of had all this, like all this proof and all these things, like text messages, email, stuff like that. And long story short, we met up and, you know, lawyers aren't cheap and it was going to be like six grand to deal with this. And I was like, I don't have six grand. Like I my dad just had to bail me out of jail. Like I just, you know, just feeling very defeated yet again. And I was just thinking of like, I just have to figure out a way to handle this. And he, you know, I could already tell Mr. Wannabe was like making that switch and to where I was like, okay, well maybe he won't do anything. Like he's sending me these emails where he's like saying he's not going to press charges and all this. So I was like, 
you know, maybe he won't do anything. And, you know, so then time is taken away and I just have to, I have to figure something out. And again, just feeling so emotionally defeated at, at my, at my worst, like at my worst, (laughs) I don't even know how else to explain it. That week was so, so difficult. Like for me too, I can't, if it was hard on me, I cannot imagine how hard it was for you. And I was just constantly on the phone with you, like as much as I possibly could. If I was awake, I wanted to be like on the phone with you and being like, what is happening? What are you doing? I was so scared that he was going to finagle his way back to you and lie to you about like helping you or I don't know, just lie about anything that came out of his mouth. It's going to be a lie, whatever it was. So that's what I was so scared about. Yeah. And finally I agreed to meet up with him. What I was worried about was like, he initially was like, you have a, you have like a restraining order because, you know, anytime an instance like this happens, the police automatically put like a seven day VPO against the person that, you know, went to jail. So I thought he was legit trying to trick me. Like he kept saying like, you can res- like text me back, call me, let's meet up please. And I, I was like, are you trying to trick me right now? Because you told me I have to like not contact you or come to- anywhere near you for seven days. So I was like really scared. I even like walked the, to the police station and I was like trying to get information. I was like, what do I have a seven day VPO? Blah, blah, blah. And they said, no, it's only 72 hours. So at this point it had been 72 hours. And so I just was like between really not even wanting to see him or deal with it. And that whole situation, I just kept avoiding him. So he had, I have this text message from my assistant to me saying, this is what Mr. Wannabe had said. Kayla, there are no legal blocks standing in your way from communicating with me. No restraining order, nothing. The three-day protective order issued by the police expired on Sunday night. If you want to talk to me, there is nothing stopping you. Please feel free to text me. God, he's getting desperate. Oh, yeah. He did not like that. He did not know what was going on. That is for sure. He was trying his hardest to be like, I don't know, like seem approachable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Eventually I, I met up with them. I, it was like towards when Denise was like about to be home and I didn't know what else to do. And I remember I, again, was going through my assistant. So I was like, tell him I'll be here at this time. So I met him like on the beach. So I go down there and he, I could see him walking up and I just cried for like 20 minutes and he just sat there and didn't say anything. And I don't know. It was just very emotional. Just I'm still just in shock, honestly, not having any sort of plan. Like I couldn't do anything for myself. Like Again, like that's the position he got me in. That's the position he kept me in. And that's the position I currently was still in. So again, I had no means of getting anywhere. I couldn't book a plane ticket anywhere. I couldn't do anything. I mean, I'm sure looking back, someone would have done it for me, but obviously I went back like a week later. (sighs) Fuck my life. (laughs) Damn it. (sighs) This is so angry. I know.
I sent this message to you, Stacy, and Ashley all together in the in the group email or group text on February third. This is obviously what like a week and a couple days after all this, and still just processing and dealing with everything. This is what it says. I okay, this is what it says. I sent this to my family and wanted to send to you girls with some hearts emojis. Obviously I've had a very hard week this past week, even more. So a couple of months dealing with stress, anxiety, and unknown circumstances and direction. Mr. Wannabe and I have been drifting apart through it all, even though we were once good, happy, and confident in our life and situation. We have been failing on both ends. This week was definitely rock bottom, especially for me, but I believe there has been a breakthrough. The very next day, all of this chaos last Saturday, a couple that we have been friends with for two years invited us to their church. Two years, they never once asked us to go. They only texted Mr. Wannabe, so of course I wasn't aware of the invite, but he accepted. He went, and that is when he sent me the nicer email, LOL. It opened his eyes to grace and forgiveness. He then went the next night for worship night. We have since spoken and have chosen to give grace and forgiveness as well as everyone deserves. Yesterday, we went to that church together. I can't describe the overwhelming relief, grace, mercy, and faith I received being in there today. It's not a big church, not at all, but I got more out of that one service today than I have the dozens of times going to the church we went to here. I want to come out of this a new fearless person. The church is called Fearless, by the way, and I want Mr. Wannabe and I to come out from this because I truly, honestly feel like we are both have a calling on our lives, both individually and together. We have been going about it the wrong way, and that has been very clear to us this past week. Last week was so stressful, trying to be vengeful and retaliatory, which felt so awful in my soul. We aren't perfect. We have made mistakes, but I believe Grace grace should be given. I am very hopeful and eager to get more involved with this community and church. It's a far drive, but so worth it, literally and metaphorically speaking. I love you. Thanks. Thank you for giving me grace. Gross. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Gross. That whole message grosses me out. It gives me the creeps. Yeah. It really does to me too, honestly. I literally don't like anything about that. Again, with the church aspect, this is what surprised me. Maybe you'd said to me like once or twice, like you tried out a church or whatever. But I was just like, there's no chance in hell that this man is a Christian. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, definitely not. Absolutely not. And I just think that he knows like that's how you were raised. Yeah. I think I was just scraping and searching for anything that would validate my decision. That's what I was yeah. doing. Yeah. That's I all I that. can really then, explain it. I was like, that's all I could explain it. I was like, I have to make a decision. And I, this one just seems like the easier one as much drama as this has been like, this just is the easier choice. And I just need something to validate that for me because no one was going to defend me in that moment except for him. You know, no one was going to defend my decision because no one wanted me to stay there. But I was, again, I was stuck. I was, I mean, looking back, you know, now that I've, you know, I live with Granny currently, I probably could have 
done that, it was just such like, it would just have been like a very impromptu, just acting on my emotions. I just need to get the hell out when really I was like, you know what? I need to face this. You were just so codependent on him and you had gotten used to being codependent and you hadn't had been able to make big decisions for yourself and, you know, so long, then all of a sudden, you know, it's kind of like, oh, am I going to be able to just make a decision to move across the country and, and leave all of this, you know, and you hadn't made a single decision in so long, like that probably terrified you. Yeah. Okay. Well, not only that, but another reason that I stayed and I don't know if I've ever really told you this, Rachel, or maybe I have, but um, so my court date was obviously supposed to be in April and I legit thought to myself, I have to stay, <laughs> I have to stay and get on his good side and he, for this to go away. Like if I would have moved and in that moment and then like, you know, broke up with him or whatever, I would have probably have had to go to court. Like he wouldn't have t- you know, he wouldn't have helped me in any sort of way. Right. So you felt trapped, like not only in all the other ways, but now also like in the court system, legally, you felt like you (laughs) had to be on his good side to get this to go away. Oh my gosh. No, you never, you never told me that. I didn't know that. I was just like, okay, go to move and break up with him and he'll be vengeful and, you know, retaliate and be like, well, sorry. Like you, if you would have stayed, I would have helped you. Like I knew exactly that he would do that. So that's why. And obviously I didn't tell him that, but (laughs) deep down I was like, I just have to get through April and I have to make him make this go away. Here's Kayla's sister, April, and how she found out Kayla had been arrested. Oh my gosh. I cringe thinking about this night. I was at the casino with my boyfriend. I had been drinking, as I always did with him. And um, I get a text from Kayla saying, hey, if Mr. Wannabe reaches out to you, don't say anything. Like, don't respond. I was like, what? So I texted her back. I called her. She wasn't answering. I called my brother and I was like, what's going on? So me being intoxicated and stupid and, you know, seeing, you know, Kayla doesn't ever communicate. And I was just getting annoyed at that point because things would happen. We just don't know about them. So I texted Mr. Wannabe and I was like, hey, what's going on? Like Kayla texted me and he just goes off saying that my idiot sister is trying to ruin his life and he, and she hit him and he got her arrested and that she's just crazy. And I was like, Oh, well that makes sense. And you know, I didn't even doubt him because I was like, I could see Kayla was like losing her crap. And I didn't realize that it was really the relationship. I just thought, Kayla has all this unresolved trauma that is building up and she's, I mean, I think she was doing counseling then or, or whatever, but 
I didn't know how their relationship was, but I did know that I could tell Kayla was just getting really, like, she was really shutting down. So when I heard that, I was like, okay, well, she just, she just broke and she hit him. And I think that me texting Mr. Wannabe really just, like, boosted his ego, like, See, I've got your sister agreeing with me, and I've got her on my side. And I feel bad. I remember when I found out what happened that I called my grandma and I cried, and I was like, I texted him, and I, you know, made Kayla look so bad. And like, he probably has these text messages that he's going to use against her. And my grandma was like, You need to call Kayla right now and tell her this. And so I call Kayla and I'm crying. I'm like, I'm so sorry. And, you know, she was kind of annoyed that I did that, understandably, but she wasn't mad. At least that's what she told me. So she she was like, it's okay. Like, we're just, just don't say anything. So he did end up texting me again, saying something, and I sent it to her. And he said that he was going to ruin her life, essentially. And I was like, ooh. I was like... Because when he said that Kayla had hit him, I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. Like, I don't know what's going on with her, but I could tell something was wrong and I was telling him that. So he thought that I was taking his side. But I mean, in reality, I hadn't even talked to Kayla about it. My heart was broken. Me and my brother and my grandma were all talking about it and asking what we can do. Like, does one of us need to go out to California and drive back with her? Like she doesn't have a car. What is happening? Just a few days later, we get this, my whole family gets this group text from Kayla. I am so sorry that I involved you in this. Like I was just in a bad place and we are working it out now. And we went to church and he broke down in church and said he was going to change. And I just like, I, this is all my fault. Like didn't put the blame on him at all. And I kid you not, it was that moment I realized I needed to leave my boyfriend because I have done that so many times. I knew where she was coming from, but like I said, like I knew, like I, I communicated with my family how crappy my boyfriend was and how I wanted to leave. But like her, I was financially tied to him and codependent. And so, um, when she said that she was going to stay with him, I'm like, this is so embarrassing. And this is what everyone has seen me as like, just I'm basically just shouting from the rooftop. I can't stand my boyfriend. This relationship is awful. I've been not necessarily physically abused, but like we would be drinking and he would drunkenly hurt me. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to explain that. He would do it on purpose, but then say he was drunk. Yeah. He's, I was drunk and I stepped on his foot with my boots, my cowboy boots Well, he wanted to get back at me for doing that. And he stepped on my foot with his manly boots and it broke my pinky toe. (gasps) Oh my God. Yeah. And he like didn't 
he thought I was overreacting. He was like, I was just doing it back to you. I knew that it was time for me to leave my relationship. So after all this drama had fizzled out and whatever, we were just kind of back on terms, me being the kind hearted, like, I don't know. I just, I just felt this inkling in me to just kind of like apologize to people. And, you know, I was like, you know, I definitely don't, um, I'm not justifying or validating his actions, like what he did, but I just want to say sorry for like all the drama and the emotional, you know, week that was. And like, I just like felt like I needed to apologize to a bunch of people. Um, that were involved. And I remember he like, I didn't, he didn't make me do that. I did that on my own, but he knew about it. And so then a couple of days and weeks had gone by and he thought he did nothing wrong. Like I had to ask him to apologize to me. Like one night we had come up with this, come up with this thing where we're like, okay, if we're mad at each other, we're going to cool off. And then we're going to like set these boundaries. So we were doing that. And like, I remember one night I walked up and I was like, okay, I need 15 minutes of your time. I have something to say. And like, you know, you're not going to get mad at me, but I just need to tell you, like, I was like, you have not said sorry to me. Like I had to ask him for an apology for all this. He was not sorry in the least bit. Oh my God. So then I was like, it's really bothering me that like you have not said sorry to anyone, like to my family, to my friends. I took it upon myself to say sorry to everyone, like not his parents, but like his sister and like my family and my friends. And I was just like, you know, I just wanted to clear the air. Well, he just had thought he'd done nothing wrong and just wanted to go about his way. So that's why he emailed you. I don't even think I was like, you need to email Rachel, but like, I guess he emailed you. So I would love to hear your response. <laughs> or I actually want to know what he said. Cause yeah. I don't even remember what he said. Oh my God. This is like your shining moment. This is your favorite thing you said, <laughs> I think on the whole podcast. I knew this was my opportunity to really be honest for the first time with him and with you. I hadn't been honest with you about Mr. Wannabe. And I always had my red flags and I always had my reservations about him, but I didn't always share those with you. And I felt guilty about that. And I still feel guilty about that. You know, maybe me speaking my mind sooner would have helped you. And this was my opportunity to do just that. I wanted to tell him exactly what I thought about him. And I wanted to send him and you a message that said, I don't agree with this. I'm not in support of this. And now you both know about it. And I didn't want it to be like, I won't be here. Like I'm not here. Like I'm here. But now you both are fully aware of how I feel about this situation. This email was either going to help you or it was going to hurt you. And it was either going to strengthen our relationship as friends or it could potentially hurt it and it could potentially have pushed you further away from me. And I knew that once I sent this email, there was no going back. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know about you, but I couldn't believe it when Kayla got arrested. How is she the one who got arrested? She's the one who called for help. I didn't understand it, so I decided to do a little research, and I came across a law called mandatory arrest, which refers to any state or police policy which requires a police officer to make an arrest when responding to a domestic violence call if there is probable cause to believe any violence has occurred, regardless of the wishes of the person assaulted. The legal and criminal justice system has made significant strides in recognizing the seriousness of domestic violence and implementing policies and practices which are intended to help women who are survivors of domestic abuse. However, these well-meaning policies have not always been as effective as advocates have hoped and under certain circumstances may even make a situation worse for a survivor. The presence of mandatory arrest policies may be disempowering for survivors by discouraging them from calling the police. This is particularly true for minority women who may already have reservations about the fairness of the criminal justice system. Likewise, the implementation of mandatory arrest policies have been shown by researchers to result in more women being arrested. Mandatory arrest and prosecution policies, while a step in the right direction, are far from being helpful and effective way to respond to domestic violence incidents. This is particularly true when considering the empowerment and protection of the survivor who may be forced against her will to participate in the legal system, much in the same way she has been forced against her will to endure violence in her life. While these policies have been helpful to some women, they have been harmful to others. When considering these types of policies, it is important to understand that not all domestic violence situations are the same and that a general policy may not be effective for everyone. In the United States, there are currently 25 states that have a mandatory arrest policy in place for domestic violence calls. It is extremely important that you know what the policy is in the state you live in. While the police mean well, they aren't trained to identify narcissists and unfortunately, these types of abusers can lie and manipulate the truth. Like Kayla, you could find yourself in a he said, she said situation with the police and you could potentially be the one who ends up in jail with a hefty bail to pay. If you're experiencing any form of domestic abuse, please don't wait for the situation to get worse to speak with someone. Call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1. 800-799-7233 or chat online anytime at thehotline.org. 